Combo Nation, what is up? Hope everybody had a great weekend out there. Happy Monday, man. We're here. Combo Nation! What is up, everyone? And welcome to episode 452 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. You know the vibes. Don't forget to rate, review. And if you haven't already, punch down on that. Subscribe button. Today's show, Keandre of Hoop Intellect. That's right, go subscribe to Hoop Intellect on YouTube. Joins in to talk 2023 NBA Draft and more. We discuss Cam Whitmore's effortlessness, Amen Thompson's ideal NBA position, Draft Risers, Bronny's development, and more. Just a fantastic conversation with Keandre. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Keandre, what's the vibes, man? It's been a while. I don't think we've done this since we saw each other in summer league, right? Or am I mistaken? Maybe I'm mistaken. Um, I feel like I feel like there was a one in between there, but you maybe know, I lose track of time. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Have you been hooping? What's new? You've been playing? Um, I haven't really been hooping like that lately. Um, I've just been kind of working really hard on a lot of stuff, so I haven't really had the time. Um, but you know. I might be able to, I might get back into it a little bit, just, you know, just for exercise purposes. Most definitely. It's a fun way to exercise. Do you feel like with everything you're doing and for how long you've been doing it, you know, obviously you're working hard at it, but can you pump out videos at a quicker pace now? Because like I noticed with myself, I could get podcasts out quicker, even though I have the same amount per week, it just takes less time to put them out. Yeah, I think, you know, the big thing for me is just like my content is kind of unique. So it's partially time sensitive. Like there's certain things that need to come out at a certain time. I'm watching like the whole season. I'm doing like scouting work. So like the whole work of like what goes into a video doesn't necessarily like I can't necessarily put that into a video on like a weekly basis. But like once once the scouting reports like the college season gets over and everything and I get a rhythm in that, it's like a lot easier than it was like when I first started, just because I know what I need to do. I like have a process to it. And, um, you know, at this point, I'm 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 pretty good at it. So uh, it is it is it has gotten easier over time. But, you know, those those type of things just kind of take a minute. Most definitely. You are great at it. I have to ask you, has there been pro team services that reached out? Um, you don't have to be specific. I'm just saying in general, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have a, a team. I did some things with before. Okay. Um, but other than that, it's just been kind of um, me for the people thing for the people, yeah, for the people, for sure. <laughs> Keandre. All right. So I was in the garden last night, got to see Cam Whitmore play. And when I watch him on film, like, I just think like bully ball, play real hard, get to the basket. But then in person, it looked like to me, and I don't know if you saw this, but it looked like effortless for him. Like it was easy. Like it almost seemed like uh, this is not like great competition. It's kind of like he's going through the motions, but then he really didn't even miss in the first half. So 
What have you seen from his game? Because I'm a little confused now. Like, it's like a tough eval since I saw it in person. And obviously, this is good competition. It's the Big East. But he just made it look effortless and like he was going through a workout. Yeah, he kind of gives you both, you know, just depending on just given what I've seen from him throughout the season. Um, you know, he's somebody who kind of he was he had it going uh, in terms of his three point shot uh, yeah. last night. And, you know, when he's having that working, it, it gets a lot tougher for him to to guard him. Um, but, yeah, you know, he's he's pretty smooth out there on the perimeter um, when he turns and turns it on and flips that switch and does get into that sort of more bully ball mode. Um, you can see it. I think that you could even honestly say you want a little more of that from him, just given how physically um developed he is at such a young age still only 18 um but yeah you know his skill set that's like the main draw for him to me like that combination of things being able to shoot some of those step backs and um you know do things of that nature that's kind of like what makes him a potential top five guy in my eyes um just a combination of the athleticism the just the physical tools and and all those things so um definitely enjoy watching him in the in the big east tournament i'm curious to see how villanova uh, kind of attacks this do you see an nba comp for him and in general what are your thoughts on nba comps do you like to use them um i personally i personally don't have a problem with them i feel like they have they serve a purpose um in terms of like showing a potential outcome or like just kind of the the sort of role that they could play at the next level um but also in that you can kind of get lost in like trying to put certain expectations on players and then um, you know, certain things don't go a certain way, or you might get a little bit too aesthetic based, which is what I was early, early when I was doing the scouting reports. It was very much based on like how they played and how they looked at the college level. Um, so uh, just kind of adjusting it. There's just, I, I do think that they are useful again, but you know, there's a certain way I feel like you got to do them. But for Cam Whitmore specifically, I haven't really sat down and, and, kind of tried to figure one of those out. I usually do those towards the end of the year. Um, but, you know, kind of the elements that we touched on before, um, somebody who's, you know, super powerful, you know, has has good wing size and can also uh, do a little bit more on the perimeter. I haven't really figured out who that exactly is yet or nothing has like popped out at me immediately with some other guys. That's kind of the case. Um, but I think we'll figure one out. Right. Okay. I have to ask you, um, because this is an interesting question I thought about, and I definitely want to hear your thoughts on it. Is there a bigger gap for you between one and two or two and three? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's in the beginning of the year, I would probably have said two and three by like a wide margin. Um, now it's definitely, now it's definitely a little bit different. But I do still think it's two and three. Um, I only more based off of like what I feel about Scoot Henderson. I'm still a big buyer on him. Um, I know a lot of people have kind of shifted and moved away from that. You know, I didn't. Oh, the, I didn't know that. Is that true? Uh, it's it's becoming a little bit more popular, at least from what I've seen on on Twitter and things like that. But um, you know, I think that that third guy between you know whoever it is a lot of people have been kind of going towards brandon miller uh as a, as a number two guy or, or whatever um wow because i thought i was is, the, i thought i was the only one on that island not saying that i think brandon's better than him but i thought with possibly a magical march madness that could become a conversation yeah i think that's i honestly have you know just some of the improvements that he's had throughout the year he's definitely more of a you know 
top five lock for me at this point. Um, I know a lot of people are still kind of iffy on him, but I think that he's kind of proven that. And there's all the other details in there, which, you know, just keeping it basketball and what we see there. Um, I think he's well in that conversation. But for me, you know, just like I think Scoot's physical traits, he's eight. He was 18, just turned 19 in a professional league like the G League, um, you know, had a lot of injuries. I feel like people haven't mentioned this um, throughout the year. So that's kind of been tough for him to kind of get a flow throughout the year. Um, but just his ability to, you know, get into the paint, make plays. Uh, obviously, the, sh- the shooting is um, still a work in progress. But all those tools just make him the easy number two guy. And I, that's why I think there's a I think he's going to be a, you know, high level point guard in the league. So that's why I would I would go two and three there. Is this just something we have to deal with this time of year? Because, you know, I didn't even hear the stuff about Scoop, but you even see, like, the videos with Wemby getting dunked on, and then there's, like, some pushback with Wemby. And we saw it with Cade, right? Like, we always see this stuff. I think it's just, like, this time of year. And I don't really believe that even sometimes the people saying it believe it. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was a a thing I thought about with that Wemby one, like, specifically was last year when Chet and Jalen Duren played in the tournament – uh, Chet was actually defending Jalen Duran about as well as anybody possibly could. They were trying to go at him um, on post-ups several possessions in a row. He yeah. gets the blocks, you know, and then the second half, Chet tries to flop. Um, Duran gets a dunk and everybody's like, oh, Chet's too small, this, that, and the third. <laughs> like, like, it just out of nowhere. And obviously, you know, I don't really put too much stock into that because a lot of people just don't have the time to watch. Like, they don't actually you know, have like a real base opinion. It's just kind of like what they see in the moment or highlights and everything like that. So I don't really, I don't blame them at the end of the day. Um, But you know, that all this, all this kind of noise, March Madness bump is real. When it comes to NBA draft stuff, you're going to get somebody who's going to go for 35 or have a deep run and their stock is going to go from, uh, you know, top 40 guys to, you know, middle of the first round, whether they deserve it or not. Um, And you kind of have to decipher and figure out who actually, you know, what is this that, um, could be done at the next level. But yeah, you know, just that time of the year, man. You know, that's, that's just kind of how things go. You have a favorite, like, I always like to go with best available, but I would like to ask you, do you have a favorite prospect team fit in the lottery? I like Asar to the Hornets. I just want to see him and, you know, Melo play together. Like, some people might think a man, but, you know, I think Asar is a guy that probably could play off the ball a little bit more. The shooting's a little bit better. Maybe the ceiling isn't as high, but... Who's that prospect team fit that you really like? Yeah, so I think like last I, year, I, last year I thought Jaden to Detroit was great and Chet to OKC. Yeah. Like I was talking about that before even that draft. Like that was awesome to me. Yeah, I'm trying to go away from like Scoot and Wimby. Right, trying to go more further down the line. I think I'll probably I I do like Grady to the Magic. I feel like that works really well. I feel like that gives yeah. them something that they really need. Um in terms of a floor spacing wing, somebody who just compliments and does a lot of different things. They well. definitely need the also, shooting, right? Right, right. And he's big, so he kind of matches, you know, yeah, that kind of size movement that they have. Um, I'm trying to think. I th- I feel like uh, I do like Kaysen to the Wizards, uh, me personally. Um, I feel like he checks a lot of boxes in terms of, like, having a lead guard there. Um, obviously there's certain things that he doesn't do, you know, I, I even like, you know, Anthony black there, you know, if that was the, um, depending on where they end up falling, I'm just somebody, a guard for a point guard for them and somebody who can like run the show, um, to a certain extent and take some of that load off of, uh, you know, Bradley Beal and, um, 
you know, just giving them a different look offensively. Um, I feel like there's another one that I'm just not thinking of, but yeah, there's a, it's going to be interesting to see. Cause like you got like a team like Indiana who could definitely ha- use a wing. Um, there's going to have yes. like Jarris Walker, Sark Thompson, Cam Whitmore, uh, potentially even Brandon Miller, if they move up, like they're going to have a lot of, uh, options in that sort of, sort of range. So, um, yeah. Yeah. For Indiana, what would you, who would you like to see more on that team? Jarris or Cam? Because, you know, Cam's more guardish, Jarris is more forwardish, but they are like the same size, same height-ish. I think for that team, I would rather go with Jarris just because yeah. he can play power forward a little easier, maybe even some small ball five minutes. And the thing about Cam that I'm still, you know, kind of deciding where I want to put him in in terms of like the hierarchy of the draft is just his passing and like being able to make plays for people. Um Everything else I'm a really big fan of, but I think Jarris can do that a little easier, even though he hasn't fully at uh at Houston so far this year. You've seen it in flashes. Um, but for me, I think he I think he would fit there just a little bit better. And also the off ball defense with him is just um in a in a little bit different uh area than Cam's. Yeah, I feel like if they could get Jarris and Jarris plays well, like a player of his archetype could make the Indiana Pacers a playoff team. Right. He's he's that perfect kind of missing piece. I do like that's that's the one that I was thinking of. I like Jarris on OKC a lot. OK, yeah, I was a big fan of Sohan and potentially Tari Eason um, going to OKC last year. And he had the, those two picks. We didn't know where they were going to land. You get a guy like Chet and then, you know, Sohan or, or Tari um, at the four. Um, I really like what he would bring to that. Uh, OKC team as somebody who can you know guard a lot of positions you know kind of fill gaps for them and then kind of take them to that next level also with both of the with Chet coming back as well exactly so imagine they fill, would, imagine they fill those two holes those two gaps right right and then their defense actually goes to that you know next level so that would be a, a really good one but yeah I don't want to stay on the Thompson twins too much but what do you think the ideal position for Amen is yeah, I definitely think he's a he's a lead ball handler, and that's the thing. That's why you're gonna get so many differing opinions on him. It's like you're gonna either be super high on him, or you're probably going to be a little bit lower. Still, would kind of recognize the talent. Um, it's because like he's not he's not great at playing off the ball, but when he does have the ball, you know he does make some spectacular plays. He's an unbelievable athlete, crazy first step, you know all that type of stuff. But I do think that for him and i wouldn't even mind to see like a team pass up on him um because of that reason because they don't they already have somebody who they want to give the ball to or is a little bit like let's um, say the hornets right like right exactly and that's the kind of the thing you got to juggle with that and i did with like the mocks too it's kind of a, a interesting type of fit i do think that they you could end up being able to figure it out especially with like lamello because he is such a good shooter now um true. that they could that's figure true. that out but uh I would rather see a man in a situation like San Antonio where they're going to give him the keys. Um, he's going to be able to make a little bit more mistakes while he improves as a shooter. Um, and, or, you know, even like a, on paper, Houston, obviously, but mm-hmm. like they have a whole lot going on. You know, you have to get rid of uh, KPJ. You know, there's, there's a whole lot of things in terms of their coaching staff having a direction that um, would be difficult, but just, you know, situations like that. So I do think that he is a point guard. Um, he just, he's going to need to to add to his sort of ability to play off the ball. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what's so tricky about the draft. You don't want to get too much into fit because if you believe Emin is the best player there, you probably should take him and figure it out, right? Yeah, that's the that's always the big thing to to kind of juggle, especially from like the, this vantage point when you don't actually have to make that decision. You're kind of trying to juggle all these different things at once. Um, you definitely got to keep that in mind. Yeah, so I know you mentioned Grady, and it is March, so I'd like to ask you maybe staying away from the guys that aren't playing college basketball in college basketball. I know probably Grady would be in the mix here, but who do you feel have been the biggest risers this season? Yeah, biggest risers. Um, I think recently I, they lost today, and they're probably going straight to the NIT unless um, some other things happen. But uh, Kobe Bufkin, you know, mm. um, he's been a, a huge riser over you know these last couple weeks and everything, uh, just with his play. Um, and I think that he has, you know, real like sort of top 20 potential. We'll see if he ends up declaring because I think he could be an easy top 10 pick in the next class. Um, but uh, depending on what he does there, and I'm sorry, I'm trying to fix my, my, uh, all good. Went dead. So, um, trying to do that on the fly while I'm talking. <laughs> but yeah, so Kobe Bufkin would be one of those like big rises, but those that are actually going to be playing in the tournament. I would say, you know, I guess he doesn't really count all the way because he came into the year with lottery buzz, but like Derek Lively, you know, kind of coming back and um, really showing what he can do as a rim protector at a, at a super high level. Um, and then obviously the the ability to finish plays and be an athlete around the rim. He even hit a corner three today, which I, I saw you tweet. Gonna, I saw you tweet that. Yeah, I thought <laughs> we were going to see more of that this year from him. But I mean, I guess he just hasn't had the freedom or, you know, just really been on that spot of the court. And they were beating him by like 30. So, of course, he's going to, you know, let it fly. But yeah, I think he's another one. Um, and then, oh, Taylor Hendricks, of course. Um, he's been a huge riser kind of coming from, you know, more of an underrated prospect to, you know, doing his thing at a high level at UCF. I even think that he's probably going to end up a top 10 pick um, at this point. Um, so as like a, a, you know, super versatile for, um, you know, athletic around the rim, being able to, to shoot the three and, uh, you know, guard a, a ton of positions. He's got to, you know, get a little bit better as a, as a ball handler and being able to create shots and everything. But, you know, he's another a guy who like, really really skyrocketed over the course of the year you mentioned lively um whitehead what happened this year because i feel like he was in everyone's lottery and he slipped a little bit now has that just been his fit with this team was it you know the slow start what are your thoughts on him and is his ceiling still as high as you thought it was before the season yeah so for him, really, it's just like all the injuries, having the preseason injury and then yeah. kind of rushing back and, and trying to get into that. Um, and then obviously he came, came in with a slow start, had a minutes restriction, everything that gets hurt again um, later in the middle of the season. So that definitely kind of affected his rhythm and everything. But I feel like that we did already have some questions coming into the year about his ability to, to kind of get downhill and, um, you know, create a little bit more rather than like the, taking those uh threes and the one two dribble pull-ups contested um so that stuff was kind of always there it's just like now he isn't 100 percent healthy and 
we don't know where he's at athletically. So like, it's like a combination of things like that's made this kind of perfect storm for him to be more of like, just the like complimentary, you know, shoot the three guy, um, which is good. He's done that at a high rate and that's always encouraging to see, but he's more of like a long-term play at this point. To me, I still think that there's a reason to be intrigued, like what he, what he's done and what we can go back and watch um, from him at Montverde, his whole career there. But, you know, it's just been kind of a, a combination of things. He's kind of taken a, more of a background role as the team has already been kind of constructed, you know, built roles and everything around Filipowski and uh, Tyrese Proctor and all them and Roach and everything. So, um, yeah, you know, I still, I still like him. I still think he's a, you know, mid first round pick somewhere in that twenties, early twenties range, but it's definitely not top five. Like, you know, we might've had him at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned Filipowski and I think I talked about this with Pierre a little bit when he was on the pod that, Man, he's just like a really good basketball player, but sometimes that's not enough anymore at the NBA level because you could be really good, but what NBA niche do you feel? So how do you feel about his game as of now? Yeah, I he's definitely worth taking a chance on, right? Like you said, like he's obviously seven foot. He can move really well and get to the basket, you know, shoot the three, but like he doesn't do any, like if he was a great, if he was like a 35 36, 37, you know, to the 40s three-point shooter, I feel like you'd have a little bit more confidence in him. I still think that he's going to be able to shoot it, but it's just not there in the way that you would have liked it. And also, you know, some of the finishing stuff around the basket hasn't been there all the way. You can kind of come and go game to game. But, um, you know, he's just kind of a – I think that he's, again, just somebody worth – taking a chance on in the first round just for that talent and ability to move that well at that size and also not be like a, a liability on defense like I thought that he might be. Um, so that's kind of the the thing with him is just like you kind of get him in there, hopefully he figures it out. I know, you know, some people have like mentioned Lowry Markin in with him. Um, obviously, Lowry's kind of elevated too. I f- yeah, I feel like that's a stretch, man. Yeah, well, I Lowry's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. guess that was before this. Like, yeah. Well, it all started in Euro basket with Lowry. That's that was the thing, right? right. Yeah. I mean, even like a Cleveland version of him. Like he was still a really good player last year yeah. with the Cavs. Like kind of right. somewhere in that kind of mold, just being able to do a number of different things um, is kind of what you see with him. Do you feel he's one of those guys that could make the biggest jump in March Madness? And who else do you feel has the most to gain? Yeah, I think that he could be one of those guys. Um, Duke has had kind of an up and down season, but it feels like they're getting a little bit hot. Um, ACC isn't great, so they should they should take care of business there. Um, he's definitely one. I think, you know, Terquavion Smith had 30 last night. I think yeah. he could be a guy. He's kind of dealt with some injuries. Uh, throughout the year I've been kind of up and down on him because you know things have looked kind of similar to how they did uh with him as a freshman so I think that if he could get hot it's obviously a guards game in, Ma- in March too and he's electric uh he can get hot he could definitely solidify himself back into those you know mid first round uh talks that he was a part of uh to start the year um and then I would honestly go like Depending on Arkansas, I had this game up. I don't know what's going on now, but Arkansas can get into the tournament. I think a guy like Nick Smith can recover a lot of, um, you know, what he had earlier in the year just based on how he plays. You know, he's a dynamic scorer too, so. Yeah, this is a terribly random question, but I have to ask you. You mentioned Traquavion and you mentioned Nick Smith, but just for the listeners, what makes one prospect – you know, lottery bound and the other late first round when we're talking about like those guys who are like six foot five bucket getters. Yeah, I feel like there's it's a combination of things. One, you're going to have to look at 
what they can do defensively? Are they a liability? Um, is it something that can be fixed? Like, do they have the tools? Is it like a more of an everything? What's the situation there? So look at defense. How well do they play off the ball? You know, can, what other catch and shoot three numbers look like? Um, and then just being able to make plays, like, are they constantly, you know, taking bad shots? Are they, you know, finding the open man? Um, those type of things, just being able to kind of play within the flow of things. But, you know, that's kind of a thing that you always have to to kind of juggle and look at because, you know, a lot of guys are talented, can put the ball in the bucket, but it's like the combination of things, how well do you fit into what we have going on because we have Kyrie or we have, you know, KD. It's like no matter how good of a prospect that you are, unless you're like going to go top three, four, five, you're probably not going to have the freedom to do that. So it's like how much else can you do? And that's like the big thing that we see with like Cam Thomas, for example. It's like he can get buckets. And I feel like he deserves a little bit more playing time for that reason. But at the same time, it's like some of the other things just aren't there, you know, being able to make that extra pass, not chucking at times or taking those early clock, you know, shots, being able to fit into the flow of the offense is something that teams are going to look for a little bit more than just your ability to, you know, fill it up. Yeah. Some people will look at Cam Thomas that he's just being like overlooked, not getting a fair opportunity. And some will look at it that way, like back to the Nick Smith Traquavion thing. And I obviously do think that Nick is a better um, prospect, you know, lottery prospect. Yeah. Like if you saw them in open run, you might, think they're pretty similar in level of play, right? You're not really thinking about how like Nick could play off the ball and Traquavion might be a liability on defense. But then once you put him in a set, you could start to see the differences. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's a, that's a big thing. And it's just like, that's like a kind of a philosophy thing, almost like basketball wise, just being able to like, just how do you look at the game? Like there's different ways to look at certain things. So in like an open gym setting, you might see a guy like, like Turk and be like, yeah, he's, he's, he's the one. And that, that might, very well end up being the case, you know, just depending depending on the situation that they end up in. Um, But with those two specifically, it's like, so Nick Smith is a much better defender. He's a little bit bigger, um, both in terms of height and, you know, just size. Uh, Turk is a little bit smaller. And then, um, you know, all the other things that we we mentioned. But, um, yeah, it is – there is a difference. Like, you you can see different players in, in different settings and, have a whole different opinion on them than when they get into the more organized or um, that next level. Do you feel like, and this is another interesting question. Look at my, I'm like, I'm bragging, like I'm giving you all the interesting questions, (laughs) (laughs) but um, you know, do you feel that the six foot to an under bucket getter position is extinct? Because like, look how well Mike James could do that. And he's not in the league. So and I and I watched Big East yesterday. There's like a bunch of guys who are like 5'11, super talented. But then you're thinking, like, these guys might not have any chance in the league, even if they're better basketball player than that 6'8 guy that could maybe just hit a three and slide his feet. Do you feel that type of player in the NBA is extinct or becoming extinct? Uh it's definitely headed that way. Like it's so, it's so hard. I was talking to this, talking about this some with somebody. I can't remember who it was. But it's so hard for those, you know, six two and under guards to, you know, really make it and establish themselves in the league. The main thing is like you're getting attacked on defense yeah. at some point, right? Unless you're like physically built and people just don't go your direction, um, it's really difficult for you on that end of the floor. And just the way that the NBA is right now, like that's that's what teams are gonna go to, and that's and especially going into the playoffs, you know, it's gonna be even heightened. But you've got guys like 
Marcus Sasser. You have to be, you know, Marcus Sasser level to even like really grab the people in terms of like draft, uh, you know, prospects and everything like that. You've got a guy like Mike Miles who's been, you know, playing well at a high level, another bucket getter, high energy um, type of guy. And it's just kind of like it's just so difficult to kind of uh, reach that threshold um, in a lot of ways. You know, even like like you were saying um, before, like even a guy like Marcus Howard, um, if you watched him at Marquette, like he was he was different. He's doing yeah, it yeah, offensively, and he's doing it efficiently near 50 40 90 splits the whole time so it's like if you can't defend and you can't you know like we were saying before you know play off the ball it's just a lot a lot a lot tougher for you yeah you know like somebody might point at bones highland but he's more than just a bucket getter if you watch him play like he has some point guard stuff to his game and then like can thomas is probably the example you could go how tall is cam like he's about six four, I think. Okay, okay. See, because he got those extra two inches, and that yeah. helps, right? Like, yeah. if he was like six one, it would be tough. But he got those extra two inches. It usually need like a little something more than just like the six foot two bucket getter, right? Like, you need something. You just need something to get into that league, no matter how good you could just drop buckets. Yeah, I mean, you just go look around the league. It's just not. It's just not too many of them. Just not too many like six two and under guards in the league at all. It's just like you got Chris Paul. You've got Fred Van Vliet. He's an outlier because he's a great defender. Um, and he and these guys could game manage too, you know. Right, exactly. And these these are more. I'm just talking more like the pure height, not necessarily the bucket. Right, here. right, right. Um, because they do have other things to their game. Right, right? you're narrowing. You're just narrowing it down based on height. Yeah. There's not even a lot. Period. Right. Yeah. Period. Just yeah. At, at all. You know, you got Kyle Lowry who's going to be out his uh, on his way out the league pretty soon. Uh, <laughs> I guess. I guess. How tall is Jalen Brunson? Jalen Brunson, that's a good one. He's probably he's one of the ones. I think he's like six one. He's um, he's so tough. Oh yeah. man, he's 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 different. See, you know, he, see, the thing is, he could game manage with the elite bucket getting and efficiency. Right, and he's you know you also have to be physically built too. Him and Fred too is another guy. Like you got to be strong, stocky, being able to hold up against those um, you know bigger guards and and avoid getting you know hunted on every possession. So another six foot two guy. I'm not sure if he's six two. He might have grown. But you know, we actually talked about Bronny way back. And yeah. I've been meaning to look at look back and get the receipts because we said he was going to be in the NBA, Keandre. We <laughs> said it. We said it way back then. Um, we gave a whole bunch of reasons. I gotta go find those receipts. And you know, I, you're not you don't do that often. You don't pull up your receipts, even though you're very often on the right side of things. You know, I, I like I'm more braggadocious than you are. Yeah. So I, I gotta go do that. But what have you seen from his game? From the beginning of his high school career to now, talk to me about the development of Bronny. Yeah, so, I mean, it's been crazy. I didn't think that it would come, like, all the hype would come this fast and be at this level. But, you know, it is here. And um, honestly, just throughout his high school career, you know, we always knew that he was um, a high-level shooter. That was something that you could see from the jump. Um, he became a much better athlete, grew a little bit, became fit more physically um, built and everything like that. Uh the defense came along in a big way. Um, and the thing that this is the, the thing that's kind of propelled him and put him in this conversation and, you know, having this draft buzz is what he's done um, off the dribble, being able to create more um, and play, you know, less in that off ball role, being able to be more of a lead guard and also, you know, just do both and juggle both, be unselfish. So, you know, just kind of this combination of things, the slow grind, the natural 
progression of a high school player when your your name isn't LeBron James Jr. Right. This pressure isn't there. So this is just kind of what happens along the way. Um, but yeah, you know, he's just gotten a lot better over and over. I think I can't remember when we did it. Was it summer league? We were talking about it because I feel like that was. Oh, no, no, it definitely wasn't this summer league. It was way before that. bro. It was before then. Oh, yeah. I got to go. I got to go look at what episode that was. (laughs) You'll be surprised about like, I think this was a while ago. I could be mistaken, but I think it was definitely before we met in person in summer. league. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, whenever it was, I I know like last summer he was going, you know, that was when he took that next step in terms of the creation and everything. I'm in the EYBL and that's what turned a lot of heads. Um, but I mean, the pieces were always there. It's just about being a little bit more aggressive, being able to kind of find his game and where he's able to, to, you know, get off in the, in the best ways. And then, um, the, obviously the, the athleticism has taken steps and steps forward. So, um, he's a, he's a really good player. He really is. He really is. All right. Let's end with this. I haven't heard anybody talk about this yet. So I'm going to ask you who is the better draft prospect heading into the NBA Shaq? Or Wemby, Shaq or Wemby? That's a that's a very good question. And obviously, I didn't have the luxury of seeing uh, Shaq in college at his height. I don't, I've only been able to you know see stats and you know hear the legend and everything. Um, so honestly, I'm see. So I'm I'm gonna naturally be biased. I would <laughs> probably have to go with Wemby, but. Shaq was doing some unreal things at that time. Um, and in the era where that was like, that's the big man, you know, this is the the, the guy. Um, so, I mean, obviously Shaq is up there. It's, it's like LeBron up there, Kareem, Swimby, Shaq. Those are like, we can go through a few more, but those are like the, the, the prize prospects. So that would be only my perspective. I can only give that limited because I was like negative six at the time when he was doing that <laughs> playing with uh, uh, my mood, Chris Jackson. So, um, but what would you say? I w- I'm curious to what you would say. You got to tell me why Wemby first. And then I'll say, I think, you know, we've never really seen a player like him. Now everybody's going to talk about Bobo, you know, Chet, he's just, different he moves different he's able to do different things off the dribble in a way that uh, that are unique on the offensive end um he's seven five right like he's got some inches on those other guys defensively you know the versatility is there shot blocking he's got he's one of the most ridiculous basketball players i've ever seen and it's just all in, in one piece and it's like what does that become? What does that look like in seven years when he's 26 in entering his prime that's why like He's he's one of those guys for me. Yeah, I I think it's Wemby just because of the diversified the diversified skill set. I mean, it's like KD, Porzingis, and Gobert in one. It feels like, and the fluidity in which he plays with on the perimeter is unlike anything I've ever seen before at somebody his size. Now, Shaq was a force of nature, and you know, to be quite honest, Wemby might not ever be as dominant as Shaq. Like. Shaq is one of the top five, maybe top three most dominant players. I wouldn't say he's the top three greatest players, but just in terms of dominance, you got to go there. But, you know, it's also a very hard conversation because we haven't got to see Wemby play in the NBA. So it's like, but you do want to just go, you want to kind of, when you're having this discussion, you almost have to erase Shaq's NBA career. And what was he before he got to the league, right? 
So if I'm just looking at what Wemby was before he got to the league and what Shaq was before he got to the league, I have to go with Wemby. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 what it is. Because now we have the we have the entire career. We exactly. Have so it sounds crazy when you say Wemby, especially to maybe like an old head who knows what Shaq did in the NBA, being the most dominant player. But if we're just looking at this time period, like at this time period, I, I of right before the draft, I, I go with Wemby. Yeah, for sure. I just think the talent is, is just crazy. Most definitely. Keandra, great stuff. It was great talking basketball with you. Where can we find you everywhere on social media and on YouTube? Yeah, definitely. You can find me on YouTube, Hoop Intellect. Um, find me on Twitter and Instagram um, at Hoop Intellect. Uh, post some stuff on there, especially around March Madness. It gets kind of crazy. He posts the best stuff on there, not just some <laughs> stuff, the best stuff. I've been uh, a... <laughs> I've been a... Uh, you know, watching a ton of basketball. So it's only going to, you know, go even crazier as we get further in the conference tournaments and everything. Um, So, yeah, definitely follow me on there. And then um, tomorrow I should have the first scouting report of the year coming out. So definitely be on the lookout for that. I'm looking forward to that. Keandre, thanks for taking the time. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Yeah, I appreciate you for having me always. There it was. Episode 452 is in the books. Big shouts to Keandre for joining in. Hope everybody enjoyed that draft-centric episode of Combo's Court. Thanks to each and every one of you that tunes in and listens to Combo's Court across the globe. Share this episode. Share it with a friend. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories. You could tag me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E. T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 453. Combo out.